Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for meeting with us today. I pray that you would uh, give us your, uh, yeah, just your, your spirit. Give us an understanding of who you are. Give us a fresh revelation of um, your love for us and the things that you desire to do in our lives, Lord. Help us to see a little bit more of what your kingdom is like and how that can be applied to our lives. I want to thank you for your word, the way that it's uh, good for teaching us, good for correcting us, good for uh, encouraging us, Lord. And I pray that um, that would be true today. All of that would be true, that we would find you and find your truth and find uh, everything that we need today uh, by the power of your spirit. And so I pray that our minds and our hearts would be open to hear. Pray that you would uh, yeah, use, use what's prepared here to encourage and um, bless each one today, that we would go um, a little bit more like your son Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Just wanted to get my prop that I forgot to bring up with me. You're going to figure out what this is all about at the end of the message. So you're just going to have to put up with that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, got my school bag on. Um, we've been moving our way through Hebrews and we're in the final chapter of Hebrews. So I want to invite you to open up to Hebrews 13 if you've got your Bible there or you can look on with someone else as well. And um, one of the things, I've already, I've already said this the last couple of times we've opened up the last chapter, but... What we notice is that this last chapter is different to every other chapter in the book, and um, the author takes on a little bit of a different style um, of what he's saying, because uh, every other chapter seems to focus on like an Old Testament character or an Old Testament piece of history and, and a lesson that God's people Israel learnt through, um, yeah, through their journey um, in the Old Testament narrative, and so the author gets to chapter 13 and rather than giving us like a feast of a meal where he might serve up a whole chicken, now it's like popcorn chicken bites, you know? And it's just like verses one through to, through to six are really just like um, each verse has like a, whole, uh, has a new message in it, but we're not really getting the whole chicken. It's just like, just like a piece of popcorn chicken. He's just like, make sure you do this, make sure you remember this. And it's this like practical wisdom for living out um, what God is asking of us uh, at, to, to do and to be and who, who he's asking us to be as his people. And so we're in the middle of that. We've already looked at verse 1. We've looked at verse 2. And today, you might have guessed it already. Maybe you've already done some pre-reading because it's so simple to follow. It's verse 3. <laughs> and so I'm going to read that uh, to you. And again, I'll read it in a couple of different versions for us uh, just to just to expand it a little bit for us. So in the NIV, Hebrews 13, verse 3 says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. In the New Living Translation, it says, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And then finally, the Amplified Bible says, Remember those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoner and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body 
and subject to physical suffering. He's not talking about the body of Christ there. He's saying you also are susceptible to go through what they're going through. You could be mistreated at any, any point as well. Yeah, And so there it is. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And before we can apply this to our lives, what we usually try and do is get a bit of an idea of why is the author saying this? What's the context of the passage? What, are we, uh, what did this mean for the original audience? And so we've talked about this many times before uh, going through this journey in the book of Hebrews, but the church there are persecuted. They're going through uh, extremely difficult trials and it's reached a point for them, if they haven't already been locked up, there's a chance that they may, they may be locked up and, the, and their crime would be that they're a Christian, right? That's the, that's the pressure that they're facing, right? If you're a part of the church, there's a chance that you might end up in prison and you probably know someone in prison who's been locked up because of their stand for their faith. They don't want to worship or serve a Roman emperor. They don't want to worship and serve some other pagan god. Jesus is it for them and they've given their life to him and this is, this is the reason why they might be locked up. And now, um, being in prison... Uh, back then was a, probably a little bit different to how it is today. Not saying that prison today is, is, a, is an easy, cushy thing. I'm sure it's not. But nowadays, you, you will at least have your basic needs met. And um, where being in prison back then meant that you do not have your, even your basic needs met all the time. And you definitely needed to rely on your family and friends to provide for you. Come and visit you in prison and, um, and give you what you need just to get by, maybe a bit of extra food, um, maybe some warm clothing, who, who knows what it is. And the church was well aware of this, right? And they're, they're here being encouraged to continue this duty. Don't forget that you've got people from your church family who've stood up for Christ and now they're in prison. Don't forget that that, that could be you. It may have already been you before. You need to go and you need to you need to care for them. You need to keep them at the forefront of your mind. He's kind of like saying, I think of it like we, we would say, keep a photo of them on your fridge so you, so you remember them every day and you remember to take them some food or something like that, you know? Don't forget about them because they need you while they're suffering. That's what's happening. And now, while this type of uh, persecution continues definitely for Christians in other places of the world... I don't really know of a case that's happened in, in this country um, and, and we thankfully don't have to deal with that uh, type of persecution here. But this doesn't mean that there's no application, right? I don't want us to read this verse and go, oh, he's talking about you know, Christians that are in prison. We'll just skip this one because there's a, a bit of a deeper application, <clears throat> application for us and, um, and I really feel God wants us to grasp this today. What we're going to see as we keep digging into this, is that being part of the church or the body of Christ means that all of a sudden I'm connected to the group of people that God's placed me among, right? And that connection is very strong to the point where if you're in prison, it would, it would be natural for me to go and visit you, right? And this is what was going on in the church there as well. They were connected. They, they, were, they were church family. God had placed them together Jesus was living inside of each one of them. Their unity was lived out in such a way that if they were going through trouble or being mistreated or had been locked up for their faith, it meant something to you. 
and you would go and you would you would uh, do your part in supporting that person and and uh, sharing um, the journey with them. So when we become a Christian and we become part of the body of Christ, we are inadvertently becoming part of one another, whether we uh, appreciate that or not. <laughs> you know, Jesus in you and Jesus in me connects us, and that's our unity. And so. I'm now going to share and experience everything you go through in this life. Jesus in you and Jesus in me has connected us for eternity. And as we start to carry out our journey together, something happens, right? When you experience pain, I now join you in that experience. When you experience joy, I now join you in that celebration, When you go through a difficult time in your life, I'm not just called or obliged to carry that burden with you, but I can't help but feel the weight of it. You know, it's like, it's more of a reaction than it is a command, right? That's something we need to get a hold of. This is natural for us, right? If someone was to start treating you poorly, I'd feel as though they're treating me poorly. This is a a marker of the body of Christ. This is a marker of the church. This is a marker of a Christian. And, it, and although the context here is talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly the church caring for the church, um, you could say it, we're, we're pretty well known for caring for those outside of the church as well. And we should be if we're not. If you were in prison, I'd feel as though someone had put me in the same prison cell with you. The author of Hebrews was well aware of this and at a time where their faith might have started to get a little bit shaky for these people, when they might have started to forget about each other rather than care for each other, he shares a very deep and practical truth that we need to take a hold of. And, and, and it's something that, that uh, has to do with what it means to be in relationship with Jesus and his people. And it's that we're in this together. That's what I've titled the message today. We're in this together. This is, this is part, of, part of what this verse is talking about. We're in this journey of faith together. Now, when he tells them to continue to remember those in prison, the idea is he's saying, you've done this before. Continue in it. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And we can go back to Hebrews 10, verses 32 to 34. He brings this up. It seems like when they first came to faith, they went through significant trial then as well. And he talks about some of the things that they did. Right in Hebrews 10, he says, this is verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions, right? They'd received Jesus, they'd received eternal life, they'd received hope, and now it's their joy to stand with their brothers and sisters who are being treated poorly because of their faith. And what I'm seeing in all of this is that when I'm living in relationship with others, uh, sorry, when I'm living in relationship with Jesus, he empowers, <clears throat> excuse me, he empowers me to stand side by side others in the church in, with whatever they're experiencing. This is part of living in relationship with Jesus. 
He empowers me to stand side by side with others in the church, no matter what journey they're walking or going through in their life. We're in this together. It seems to be that living in relationship with Jesus should help me to live well with my brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever thing we go through together. Even while we endure extreme difficulty, being connected to Jesus means that I can joyfully walk through any difficult path with you. And, and I would be looking for you to do the same for me. We may not yet be facing prison sentences together because of our faith, but every one of us is facing something that is difficult and God has placed us in this to walk together. Right? I really feel like God is saying, saying this, whatever thing you're carrying, right, God has placed you amongst these people and, and there's, this is not a, I'm not trying to say this is what you should do. I'm trying to say this is supposed to be a natural reaction for us to, to say, man, so-and-so, they're having a tough time. What can I do to help? How can I pray for them? What can I drop off to them and their house? This is where we can draw some serious application for ourselves, isn't it? You know, of course we should pray and support. I guess the other point to make is, yes, there's a persecuted church, right? The, the church is persecuted around the globe. We should pray for them, give 50 bucks a month or whatever to Voice of the Martyrs and, you know, go and do your part in that area. You know, look at their websites, get their prayer letter, get all on board with that, go and serve in that ministry, I'm good for that. But there's a local church application here for each one of us. There's everyday life application for us. Whatever you are facing that is difficult, whatever you're facing that's out of your control, whatever you're facing that has uh, left you in need, whatever burden you're carrying that feels too heavy for you, God has placed us in the same little corner of his kingdom. Right? Sometimes I feel like I, didn't, I just never imagined I would be here, but there's a reason for it, right? And it's the same, same for you, right? Maybe you never, you never realized that you would end up in this place, but there's a reason for it. And that reason is we're placed together, this is one of them anyway, to carry one another's burdens, to assist each other, to share this journey that we're going through. And so the verse might well say, continue to remember those in your church who are facing a difficult time in their lives. Keep at the forefront of your mind those in your church who are carrying a heavy burden. This is, this is what the verse is saying to us. And so when Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. You know, talking about the church and the body of Christ, he's not making this up. This is not a command as it was an explanation of what should come naturally to us. I'm not commanding you to do anything today. I'm trying to give you an explanation of what should come naturally to people who are in relationship with Jesus, right? Who've given their lives to him. And I wonder if we have any recollection in our past, of feeling compassion towards a brother and sister in Christ because of a burden they're carrying or because God's just simply placed us in this life journey together. My concern is that we might be good at gathering together, talking about Jesus, sitting in rows and singing to Jesus, and we might be good at um, you know reading our Bibles even during the week and you know, commit to Bible study or whatever it is, but um, to share our difficulties, 
with one another, to share the burdens that we're carrying, to share the things that we're afraid to just, um, you know, tell, tell uh, our friends or tell, tell generally everyone at church or whatever it is. That's a difficult thing. But I feel like this is what God is calling us to do if we're not already doing this. This is part of the journey as a church family. And there's a couple of reasons we might find this difficult. <clears throat> the first is I think our culture is setting us up to hide and avoid our problems, isn't it? You know, oh, you've got to just save face. She'll be right, mate. How's things going for you? Yeah, it's going good. <laughs> you know, how's family? Yeah, they're, they're great. You know, but are they actually great? Are they, you know, this is not the type of language I think God is intending for us to share with one another. And I'm, and I'm a, um, a, like just a shocker for this. I always, you know, just, yep, everything's good. Everything's going good. When actually I've got some things that I'm carrying around, right, that um, I'm not telling you what's in there, you know. <laughs> and I don't know if you do this as well, but it's not what God wants for us. And yet we're told to look like everything's going good. You know, everything's going great at home. Marriage is going great. Things, kids are going good. Um, work's going good. It's not, it's not how it should be in the church. You're supposed to be able to share, at least with someone, an accountability partner, a trusted friend, you know, your, your pastor, anyone. You know, someone in the church who will do the journey with you or share the burden, lighten the load. The news we need to grasp a hold of today is that if you're in the body of Christ, if you're a child of God, God has placed you in a position to face every one of your problems with hope, right? And that's a pretty awesome thing. He places us together, right? He put that, that um, church that, that the author of Hebrews is writing to together so that they would care for one another during this time. Living in relationship with Jesus, living in relationship with his people, doing the journey together means that you no longer face your suffering without hope, right? I can face my persecution with hope because we're in this together. Because I know when I, when I connect with my church family, it's going to be the presence of God in them, getting me through, giving me hope. I can face my addiction with hope because we're in this together. I can face my relationship breakdowns with hope because we're in this together. I can face my fears with hope. I can face my anxiety and depression with hope. Because God placed me here with you as a representation of his presence in my life and vice versa. I can face my concerns for my children with hope. You know, we can face our concerns for our whole family, our parents, our grandparents. We can face that with hope. We can, I can face my health problems with hope. I can face my fears of the state of the world with hope. I can face an election with hope. <laughs> I can face my sin with hope because my brothers and sisters in Christ are with me. They're in this journey together with me. The environment you're in when you're living in relationship with Jesus and with his followers is one that affords you the opportunity to share the burden you're carrying and it affords others in that group the opportunity to serve and to care and to carry out their gifts and the things that God has uh, placed on their life as a purpose and a calling while you walk through that burden. 
So God's asking us to share the burden, to, to say, hey, if we're actually in this together, there's, here's what I'm carrying. Here's the burden I'm carrying. Another reason we find this difficult is, is that we might have a problem with getting close enough um, together. I remember a GLS, Global Leadership Summit, talk where um, this fellow, I forget who it was even, but I remember the word proximate. He would keep saying proximate. We've got to get proximate with people. And he was talking about outreaching to people who don't know God. And, but I think even for the church, how, how proximate, how, how close are we doing the journey of life together? Sure, we meet together on Sunday, but throughout the week, how much contact is going back and forth between the body? How much are we meeting together, um, just, even just to do something fun, just to hang out, just to, yeah, just to connect? Is there a phone call? Is there, what's got, and, and this is not me saying, I'm trying to help you reflect on how badly the church connects with you, right? Yeah, the church hardly does that at all. What's wrong with these people, you know? I thought we were in this together. No, it's, it's what are we doing you know, what are we giving? Who are we calling? Who are we texting? Who are we asking to come out for coffee or to go for a run with us or to walk with us or to go shopping with us or anything like that? Because it's in that journey together where you do something together, you start to share a bit of the burden. You start to say, hey, I didn't realise that that was happening or I didn't realise you were going, you were struggling with that. And then, uh, you know, we find ways to pray for each other. We find ways to connect on a deeper level and get proximate with one another. I actually like that word, proximate. We need to get proximate with one another because we're in this journey together. So what are we to do? What are we to do about all of this? You know, if this is what God's calling us to do, I'm sure many of us are doing this in one way or another, but I get a sense that, um, you know, if, when one of us is in trouble, it requires at the very least for the rest of us to be praying for them. You know, of course, I get it. There's some things that are confidential. Some things are just a bit too much. But share with, share with someone, someone close, you know, someone you can, you can just share the, share the load with and just say, man, this is actually happening and I'm, this is just, it's getting too much for me. You know, it's like when Peter gets locked up in prison, I think it's in Acts 12, and, the, and you find the rest of the church is praying for him and he's miraculously uh, freed out of prison, right? And, he, and, and they can't actually believe that it happened, but they were all praying for him, you know? And so uh, expecting that God's going to do something through the prayer that we pray for each other, it's the least we can do. You may have noticed um, at the end of many of my messages this year, I've offered an opportunity for prayer. And some of you have taken that prayer and, um, and uh, that opportunity. And I'm not trying to create some sort of emotional thing. I'm not trying to figure out, you know, I don't want you to share your things with me. It doesn't have to be about me. But I'm trying to say, man, if we're going to carry each other's burdens, it'd be great if we all were, were able to say, yep, here's what I'm struggling with. And yep, anyone can pray for me about that. You know, because I need it, I need help. And so um, I want to encourage you to take, it, take that opportunity, you know. Take, take every opportunity you can get for prayer because isn't the burden heavy? Do you have a backpack on that's a bit difficult to carry sometimes? Is there a load that's heavy? You know, I'm think, I think of the story of Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms because he couldn't hold them up any longer. 
You know, we need, who's your Aaron? Who's your her? Who's, who's the, the people that are gathering around you, helping you do what God's calling you to do, helping you to live the life he's asked you to live? Who are those people for you? You need to find, the, you need to find them. And you need to commit to sharing your burdens with them, being accountable with them. The other story that comes to mind um, is uh, when Jesus is on his way to um, Golgotha, the place where he's crucified, to Calvary, and um, the burden gets a bit heavy for him. And what do the Romans do? Because Jesus has been flogged, he's, he's shredded up, he's struggling physically, the burden's heavy, the cross is heavy, and the Romans realise that, and they call out Simon from, from Cyrene uh, to, to help him carry the cross. Even Jesus had someone carry the burden with him. And so there's an invitation for us to do the same today, to, to share the burden, to do just what our Saviour did and to say, yep, this is, this is the thing I'm carrying. It's pretty difficult. I need, I need your help. You know, when I went to school, we'd leave our school bags on the bag racks outside of class and you'd take only what you needed in for class. And then you'd, you'd finish up class and you'd go put your things back in your bag and leave again. But there was other things in my bag as well, you know, but I didn't need to take them into class. And I think that we might do that a little bit sometimes with church. I know I do. Walk in those doors and, uh, you know, leave my, if there was bag racks there, I'd be leaving the bag there. Take what I need to worship. Take what I need to get a bit of small talk done, take what I need to, uh, you know, get my sermon done, take what I need to, to lead, and, and everything else, the other things that are going on in my week, the other things that I'm struggling with in my relationships, the other things that I'm finding just really difficult, just going to leave them in the bag rack. No one needs to know about them, you know, and this is not... This is not what church is for. There's no bag rack there. You'll notice in the freshly renovated entry, I haven't installed some bag racks for us to, to leave the burden at the door to put back on when we, when we head back out, right? That's not what this is about. Church is a, is a place where you should be able to share your burden. Bring them to the front, empty it out. You know, some things that I faced this week that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't normally openly share this, but this is genuine, okay? So if I had it in my bag, I'd pull it out and I'd say, um, this week I doubted my calling as a minister, right? Not to this church, but just in general. I doubted God's anointing over my life again. How often does that happen to me, you know? And, when, and who do I share it with? <clears throat> okay, so I'm sharing it with you. That happened. It happens every now and then. Pray for me. You know, another thing that I reflect on often, a burden I carry is, am I actually doing a good job as a dad? Are my kids going to think of me as a good dad? You know, of course, oh, you're doing fine, Scott, you're doing great, but how do I treat my daughter and my son? How's that going to happen? What's going to happen when they mess up in their life, in their journey? How am I going to show grace to them? Other things I might carry. Um, <laughs> you just think, um, what's, my, what's my life as a, you know, you, you often think of your calling as a pastor, as like a career choice, you know. This, this journey as a shepherd of God's people, you know. That's what God's called me to do. 
Am I going to have a job in 10 years' time? The church at the moment, not this church, but church in general in Australia, doesn't look like it's going too well. Gee, might have to find some other employment at, at some point in my life. That's something that I often think about, you know. It's a burden that I think about too often. Um, <laughs> you know, is, another thing I'm thinking is, are the storm going to win this afternoon? <laughs> you know? No, not really. I'm not actually carrying that burden. I'm just trying to lighten the load a little bit here. Lighten the... <laughs> Panthers are going to win, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> so we carry these things in our, in our uh, lives, these burdens, and we need prayer. And I wonder what's in your backpack what did, you, what did you leave at the, at the door today? That's not what God is asking us to do. And so um, time to respond. And I'm not trying to make this a time where, you, where we'd all come and come up the front here and get prayer for, because you can, you can be prayed for where you are or whatever it is, but you might like to just have a think about what's in your backpack today. What, what burden are you carrying? The other thing is, others of us might know someone who's carrying a burden. It's really difficult for, for them. And God's saying to you, remember them, put their photo on your fridge, put them in your wallet, write their name on your hand, pray for them at the very least. And the rest of the time, um, do what you can practically to relieve the burden. You know, this is, this is what is a marker of the church. The author of Hebrews is saying, man, in this difficult time, guys, where you're persecuted, where people are going to prison, where you're not sure of the future, at, at the very least, do this for one another. You know? Remember one another in prayer. Go and visit each other. You know, care for one another. This is, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did. Stand side by side those who are, who are in the fire, going through the difficult journey. All right, that's enough. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, thanks for today. What an awesome um, piece of scripture, Lord. And I guess we could start our response with a confession. Say, Lord, I have not done a good job of this. We could... Also confess that we've tried to cover up too much of the burden. The bag racks are pretty solid at the front door. They carry a heavy burden every week and we want to get rid of them, God. I want to bring the burden inside and, and, and lay it at your feet and say, God, we're just going to empty out the bag today. It's going to be empty. And so first and foremost, God, we bring the burden to you. You've called us to do that. You showed us the way when you had Simon carry your cross. Pray that that would be true for each one of us, that we would act on this, God, that we would not miss the moment where we can say, man, for, for 10 years this has been heavy on my heart. For I don't know how long this addiction has been ruining my life and my relationship with you, God. I want to get rid of that burden. I, I need to break the power of it through confession, break the power of it through sharing with someone else who's going to keep me accountable. Others of us just feel like the burden is just that life is just messy and difficult. 
You know, it wasn't what we expected it would be. It wasn't according to our plan, God, and, and now we're not sure what, what the future is like and, and relationships are, are broken and messed up and it's, and it's just tough going. I pray that you would help us to, to know, to, to, to discern when, when we're in that place that we'd seek the help we, we, we need, that we'd seek your presence, that we'd seek Jesus in, in the other people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to find hope. And so uh, we pray this in your precious name today. And we thank you for, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.